0: I would say there's three moments that really stand out to me. Maybe four. The first is I do believe from the jump, she always had the coolest records from Pwn the Replay on. Like Rihanna, Pwn the Replay, SOS, Unfaithful. These were like very state-of-the-art, cutting-edge, well-made cool pop songs. She always had that going for her, I think, from the jump. But I don't know if that necessarily translated into her celebrity persona. I think that began to emerge around her third record, which is 2007's Good Girl Gone Bad. I think Umbrella kind of, to me, stands as like the moment where Rihanna went from sort of upstart to like true kind of A-list pop star. That record is obviously widely considered to be one of the best pop songs of the 21st century for good reason.
1: Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcie. This podcast is your place to gain insights from the executives in music, media, entertainment, and more who are taking hip hop culture to the next level. Today's episode is a Super Bowl special. This is all about Rihanna, the halftime show, and how this show has evolved over the past few years. I was joined by DJ Louis XIV, who is the host of the Pop Pantheon podcast, and him and I talked all about what do we expect from Rihanna. This is the first big music thing that she's done in quite a few years. What do we think about where this show will sit in terms of other performances that have been historic in the Super Bowl. This is now gonna be the fourth Super Bowl that Rock Nation has done. What do we think about the job that they've done? This is the first year for Apple Music. How have they been doing and what do we think we'll expect from them moving forward? And also, we all know about the Super Bowl bounce, what artists do the year after the show. So, what do we expect from Rihanna for the next couple of years after the show? What do we expect to see from the show moving forward? And we make some predictions at the end on who we think would be some dope Super Bowl performances that we could likely end up seeing in the next couple of years. Here's the episode. Hope you enjoy it. This episode of the Trapital podcast is brought to you by Track, a company that is helping give fans exclusive access to their favorite artist music before anyone else. In a recent Trapital piece, I actually touched on windowing and how it can be a smart tactic for artists to build the relationship that they have with their fans. But what if you could market your music leveraging both Web2 and Web3? At Track, this is the solution that they have to make it happen. Track hosts a streamlined forum of music distribution across all of the digital streaming providers, on-demand merch capabilities, monetizable artist page, and diverse payouts. This summer, it's launching an NFT feature that allows artists to release their music to diehard fans as NFTs that are free to fans. And this is before distributing their music more broadly to all streaming services. NFTs don't have to always be for commercial gain. TRACK brings Web2 and Web3 together with ease, and their mission is to help artists understand how to execute. Want to learn more about how TRACK can help you and your artists serve their fans? Go to TRACK.CO. That's T R A C co all right today we have the pop culture expert himself dj louis the 14th here with us today he's host of the pop pantheon podcast and he was the best person that i had that i wanted to talk about this upcoming super bowl halftime show with the one and only rihanna so louis we're talking a little bit before we recorded just about Her and Hal, I know she's someone that you can riff on for a while, but it would be good to start with where this fits with Rihanna's career right now because she's someone that I think it's almost going to be seven years since Anti came out at this point that at least the Super Bowl halftime show would have happened. I know she had the Black Panther song, but it's been so long since she's released new music, but she still stayed so current. What do you think it is about her that just keeps that going?
0: Dan, thank you so much for having me on the show. So glad to be speaking with you. What I think is Rihanna's number one currency as a pop star, you know, like lots of pop stars have sort of a thing that is the engine behind their stardom. You know, for someone like Taylor Swift, for instance, I would say it's her songwriting chops. That's like the thing that everybody turns to about her. For Beyonce, it's kind of her epic performance abilities. Like not to say they don't have other... Attributes that, you know, are working towards their success, but they're sort of like a main thing with all of them, I tend to think. And to me, Rihanna's has always been her cool factor. Like, Rihanna is the coolest pop star of her generation, and she's never been the most traditionally talented at any of like the musical aspects of all of it. Like she's not like a generational songwriter. She's not a particularly like gifted dancer. You know, she's a very distinctive, but not traditionally powerful vocalist necessarily. So Rihanna's thing has always been that she is genuinely cool, like in a way that isn't put on or try hard in any sort of way. And I think that allows her to have a certain amount of, Interest in everything that she does, even when she's not making music. And of course, she's done a really fantastic job of building out her brand identity outside of just being a pop star through the success of her various fashion lines, Fenty Beauty, Savage, all of that stuff has allowed her cool factor to like disseminate through culture without her necessarily releasing music. But I think the most important part when it comes to her returning to music is that unlike other pop stars of her generation, say like a Katy Perry, who definitely does not run on cool factor. I think that Rihanna is appealing to Pop's core fan base, which has shifted out of her specific generation. So, like, since Rihanna's released new music, like, there's an entire new generation of pop fans that are now, like, the kind of core center of pop music that were very, very young last time that she released music. But I think Rihanna's cool factor, I guess, my hypothesis is that Rihanna's cool factor can allow for her to potentially be someone that they'd be interested in engaging with on new music in a way that they wouldn't for somebody like Katy Perry or even someone like Lady Gaga or even someone maybe even like Beyonce. I think that her cool factor creates the circumstances where perhaps people will still be engaged and interested in her releasing
1: new music despite the fact that it's been such a long time. When do you feel like that cool factor emerged? Because I agree with you. I think there is something intrinsic about her that just pulls people in and thinking about her career it's almost been 20 years now she came on the scene as a teenager and of course i think that in the early years we do start to see a bit more of the record label created person and you don't see as much of the personality but over time you start to see that when do you think that shifted where it was like oh here is the rihanna that is showing us why she's the shit and other people aren't quite at that level
0: I would say there's three moments that really stand out to me. Maybe four. The first is I do believe from the jump, she always had the coolest records from Pwn the Replay on. Like Rihanna, Pwn the Replay, SOS, Unfaithful. These were like very state-of-the-art, cutting-edge, well-made cool pop songs. She always had that going for her, I think from the jump, but I don't know if that necessarily translated into her celebrity persona. I think that began to emerge around her third record, which is 2007's Good Girl Gone Bad. I think Umbrella kind of, to me stands as like the moment where Rihanna went from sort of upstart to like true Kind of A list pop star. That record is obviously widely considered to be one of the best pop songs of the 21st century for good reason. It's an incredible song and something that really allowed her specific kind of reedy nasally voice to like shine through. And like she gave that song a life that I think even other vocalists couldn't necessarily. That was a song that famously like got passed around to Britney and Mary J. Blige and Akon and a lot of other artists. So it's really her plus this song that sort of came together and it was like her cool factor and her specific brand of Rihanna ness that really made that song what it was. But I also think in a sort of weirdly, maybe this is like a sticky and difficult or chewy idea, but I do think in the wake of what happened between her and Chris Brown, which was obviously like a horrific public experience and, you know, a very difficult thing for her to parse through and for the public who, you know, were experiencing her at, like, one of many zeniths of her career, her experiencing this huge public, you know, incident with her boyfriend. I think the way that she emerged out of that as this kind of, like, titanium, no fucks given sort of brand of, like, pop heroin or anti-heroine in some ways, I think that was the moment in which, like, the Rihanna persona really crystallized, like, somewhere between rated R and loud and and the kind of cavalcade of albums and songs that came after that she emerged as this very specific brand of turn of the 2010s pop star who was kind of like middle finger in the air like kind of gave off the air of like I'm not even trying that hard but like everything I do is amazing. Like that was another thing about her that I think really like codified her pop star. Every pop star is working really hard. It's a very hard job so I don't want to make it sound like she's not doing that, but there was a way in which she made it feel like she wasn't even kind of trying and like everything she did was a smash, even though she was kind of like casual about it. She never gave off the air of someone that was just like gritting her teeth and working really hard in the way that like a lot of pop stars can seem. So I think it was those combination of factors around that time. 0, 9 10, 11, that like the full embodiment of the Rihanna, like pop heroin slash anti heroin. I don't know exactly how to frame that came into full like
1: being at that point, yeah. I think another thing that happened right around that same time frame was the accountant that she had, and how she had almost went bankrupt from trusting someone that was very shady with her money too. And that's where I think a lot of that zero fucks given as well. You combine that, mm-hmm. the Chris Brown, you know, the domestic violence and abusing her, and then that combination yeah i do feel like by loud sonically we also started to hear a little bit it almost felt like there was a bit more of like a tone and a oomph in some of the music there which has been cool to see ever since and i think like over time she's just leaned more and more into that and she also was someone who i think for every year for up to at least the middle part of her career she was releasing an album pretty much every year but then i feel like by the time that anti comes around Slowing down, she's starting to put more into her, and we kind of saw similar transitions with how Beyonce maybe it started to do releases that were a bit more, you know, less of the general here is what you're getting, but no, let me be a bit more myself and tap into something like what we saw with Formation and the self titled. I think you started to see that a bit more with Rihanna, and I feel like this kind of lines up with it as well. And I think another piece that I think about with her too is social media and just how we saw another side of that personality with just a bit how cutting and how, you know, direct she can be with people, whether it was her online back and forth with Sierra, or even I think there was one of the Kardashians, or maybe it was like Kendall Jenner had said something about, oh, I hope that Mm -hmm. I hear this song played at the Rihanna concert. And then she's just like, don't come if you don't want to hear that song. And little things like that, Mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, all right, here we go. You know, Throwing a little spice everywhere and slowly making people realize that this is who she is.
0: Yeah. The social media thing is like, Definitely critical. I'm glad you brought that up because she kind of was like the peak celebrity of peak Instagram Twitter years. Like she was the one that made it all like really enticing. I mean, her Instagram persona in the early 2010s was like the reason to be on Instagram. And of course, all of those clapbacks are legendary and still cited to this day. Another one of my favorites is like when some tabloid like tweeted something about, you know, something derogatory about her. And she said something like, your pussy's too dry to be riding my dick like this or something like that. (laughs) It was just, you know, I think that that was first of all, she's very clever and smart and good at that stuff, so you can't fake that. But I do think the era of the social media celebrity has been all about creating an accessible persona or something that feels relatable as opposed to like the idea of pop stardom being something that's sort of like cordoned off or celestial or like you know something that is untouchable. you know the transition that pop has gone through in the 2010s has been towards stars that at least give the patina of relatability or accessibility. And I think her persona on social media and in tandem with the fact that she, I think the fact that she isn't a virtuoso in the way that Beyonce is so defined by her virtuosity created or helped kind of pave the way for the way that pop stardom has evolved over the 2010s into something that's more about a brand of personality that feels accessible, somewhat like relatable, that they could be one of your friends, that you know stuff about them, that they don't have to be perfect and manicured necessarily, even though that imperfection can be perfectly manicured (laughs) in and of itself. But yes, no question about it. Those were all things that she played an integral role in creating that have only become bigger and more prominent aspects of pop stardom in the latter part of the 2010s as she's been kind of pulled
1: back from pop music. And it was interesting hearing you Talk as well about the things that set her apart and thinking about the Super Bowl performance coming up, because this is a stage where so many of the best performances lean into people that are the best performers or have that musical ability that transcends in a lot of ways. And for her, even <laughs> though that cool factor is Remember something Maroon that set, 5? oh man it's funny before listening to this I was listening to where you had ranked a lot of them and I was like I wonder where he has the Maroon 5 one and then eventually I was like oh yeah like I'm sure it's closer to (laughs) that one I mean we could talk about that one for a while I do think that this Rihanna performance should be better arrangement and spectacle than that one I am curious though because of course from a range of let's say that the Who or the Tom Petty, I mean, I wasn't as much of a fan of those. and I know you weren't either, but of course, Prince and Beyonce are more of the highly regarded ones. Based on what you know about Rihanna and where you think she'll fit, where do you feel like this performance would likely end up in terms of where the where she ranks compared to other halftime performances?
0: Well, I'm awfully curious, Dan, because we haven't seen her do much in a long time. So it's definitely going to fill in some blanks and some curiosities that I think a lot of fans are wondering about where Rihanna is as a pop star and performer prior to kind of hanging up her pop star crown, let's say, and like, you know, after the anti-tour, let's say, in like 2017 or 2018 – she had made great strides as a live performer. I think early in her career she was sort of a weaker performer. Her vocals weren't that great live. She was kind of a listless dancer. Again, she pulled out a lot just based on her swag, but like she had made really huge strides in her performance ability and her vocal ability. I mean, she was singing so well towards the, you know, end of the promo cycle for Ante when she was in her like Love on the Brain live performance era i mean she was shutting it down in a way that i never had imagined she would she sounded amazing so i'll be curious to know where her voice is the thing is that rihanna's going to do this in the rihanna way i would imagine like i just don't think again prince and beyonce are two artists that are defined by virtuosity they are artists that you know are going to get on stage and be the absolute apex of musicianship of performance ability they're two of the greatest examples of those things in the most untouchable way possible rihanna is like a very different type of pop star she kind of just gets on stage and grabs her dick you know and like everyone's like yeah you know so that's like what she does so and i also want to pinpoint that again and i've said this before the things that she makes easy Look easy or tossed off or casual are not like, don't be fooled. Like, a lot of effort and thought and work goes into all of that with her. So, I would imagine we're going to get some version of the Rihanna thing in a Super Bowl performance, which, of course, every Super Bowl performance in the modern era is going to be highly choreographed. It's going to have massive production values. But I can't imagine her turning in something again, even akin to like Jennifer Lopez and Shakira's, which is another one that I think is fantastic, but two other performers that are just like impeccable dancers, like super tight performers. I have a feeling we're going to get some version of like something that actually maybe relates a little bit more to a rock stars version of the Super Bowl. Not that she's going to turn in like a Tom Petty-esque performance, but Rihanna can actually just stand there and sort of swag in a way that like, you know, your Beyonce's never going to really do. So, the question is, is it going to be up to snuff? I don't think anybody knows. That. I think that's part of the fun of waiting for this thing is that we haven't seen her do anything in so long. She's had a baby. It'll be interesting to see like where she's at as a performer. I wish I knew more about it, but I'm just as curious as everybody else is. But I would bank on the fact that someone of her pedigree and experience is going to turn in something epic and, God knows, like, she's got the production budget and all of the help that she needs to, like, make that happen. So Rihanna can do a lot just by being Rihanna. So I would say that I'm sure it's going to be epic. My guess is it will probably be epic, I guess.
1: Yeah, I do think that putting her in the top half of performances is a pretty safe bet, I think you could say. I think that comparing to the Prince or the Beyonce, to your point, I think there was so much that you expected from them based on what they're known for before going into it that you already had that heightened expectation there. With Rihanna, there's a lot more unknowns. Before this, I was going back and looking at, okay, what are the signature... Rihanna performances that are out there I was looking back at past VMA performances past Grammy performances and again it's so long since we've seen some of those so it's it's tough to compare and even some of those songs I mean she's doing some of the songs that she had done with Calvin Harris which I'm sure we'll hear at the Super Bowl but she's also done stuff from anti that we just hadn't seen in that you know grand of a stage at least in some of those settings before so It'll be interesting to see i'm definitely expecting at least on the top half but i've thought a lot about just the super bowl at all because you brought up the j-lo and shakira one which i do think was great on the performance perspective just given where they are and that was actually the first super bowl that Rock Nation has done since they had took over as the lead to help the NFL with entertainment for the halftime show. So that was the first one they had. Then they had the one with The Weeknd. And then you had last year, the West Coast Hip Hop Ensemble with Mary J. Blige and Eminem, Dr. J, Snoop, Kendrick, and 50 Cent was one of the guest acts there. And then you have this one with Rihanna. How do you feel like the Rock Nation era of the Super Bowl halftime show has been?
0: Well, it's definitely been putting a focus on artists of color and artists that are many artists that are adjacent to R&B and hip hop in a way that the previous iterations like touched on but weren't so focused on so that's been really good and i think that's been needed and an important pivot so that's been good i think the jlo and shakira super bowl halftime show is one of my all-time top favorites i think it was absolutely spectacular they were both incredible and they both managed to make their like 2 6 minute sets that they had to split up like feel comp- comprehensive in this way that I was just like floored by it. Was just every moment of that was thrilling. So I loved that one. I did not care very much for the weekend's performance. I thought I've never found him to be an incredibly compelling live performer, and I felt the same way about his Super Bowl performance. It just didn't do that much for me. But I think he was an, a good choice. I mean, he's a massive superstar. He certainly deserved the slot, and it made sense. And I thought last year's was great. I mean, I grew up in that era of hip hop, so seeing. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, and Snoop Dogg, I'm never going to be unhappy about that. And I thought they did a really nice job of threading those all together in a way that made sense. And it felt like, you know, if you grew up on that music, like, how are you not going to love that? I don't know. It was hard to deny. But that was a very unconventional Super Bowl performance because in the last, let's say, 10 to 15 years, especially, they've become very codified as this artist showcase for one superstar. They become this kind of like elite performance showcase for these upper echelon pop stars. If you get that slot, it sort of says something about how culture sees you as, as we would say on my podcast, as like a top tier pop star. So the last year one was definitely like an anomalous one in the sense that I guess it was a celebration of Dr. Dre's you know, production work on some level, but it wasn't necessarily like the traditional pop star extravaganza that we were used to. So they've tried things, which is nice. And I think it is nice to shake it up, but I am excited for it to be back to this like one artist sort of like career capstone thing, because I think that that's been a really fun and fruitful mode for the Super Bowl halftime show. So I'd say they've done a good job. And I think that I'm, You know, I mean, they landed Rihanna, which is like interesting considering that she had sworn off doing this because of Colin Kaepernick, which I know is another topic you want to talk about. But clearly, there's something that Rock Nation's involvement with this has changed in her mind about her willingness to participate with the NFL on this after she had pretty publicly said
1: that she wouldn't. Yeah, there's been a few things that Rock Nation has done here that I think have been good. I think that they were able to create themes around the event and try to tie in the location in some way, right? They had the Super Bowl right, right, right. in Miami. So they went deep on, okay, how can we get more music involved with Latin culture? Even though JLo herself is not from Miami, that was the tie in there with her and Shakira. And I know that after watching JLo's right. Netflix documentary, she was upset about the fact that she yeah. had to share the stage, not against Shakira, but just, Kind of like you said, the past decade before that was, this is a capstone on a singular pop star. And then here you have JLo lo and now she has to share the stage with someone else. I know she was upset about that, but Which I still think it was. she very
0: easily could have done. She very easily could have done that. Oh, I just yeah. want to put that out there. Like J-Lo definitely oh, yeah. could have held down a
1: 13-minute halftime show by herself. I think so, too. I mean, we've just seen her perform at all these different settings and so many hits in People could have issues with her as a vocalist or things like that, but in terms of the performance, it was top-notch. So I'm with you on that one. And then with the weekend one, I do think that's the weakest of the ones, and there was less of a tie, and I forget the location of that Super Bowl specifically, but I know that he had a huge year in the middle of the pandemic, and the only – person that was really like you know elevating as a superstar in the pandemic to a new level was him so i understood that and then yeah the west coast ensemble Mm -hmm. that super bowl was in la i definitely didn't see it coming just from what we expected but it was cool and i do think that a lot of this speaks to the relationship piece and this taps into maybe a bit of that factor about why they were able to get rihanna in a way that they may not have been able to get her in 2016 2017 i think of course when they had done that This was right after Colin Kaepernick was kneeling and the league had a lot of heightened – a lot of people were heightenedly frustrated with the league because of not only its stance on police brutality, but this was also a moment where the league's relationship with Domestic violence was getting more underlined. It was only a couple of years after the Ray Rice incident. The concussion discussions were more and more. The NFL, at least from a public perception place, was probably in its lowest point that I could remember, at least in my lifetime in that mid 2010s era. So to ask Rihanna then was rough. And I think another thing too that stuck out to me with how Rock Nation went about things, Jay Z had said this in one of the press conferences that the NFL would ask. Three of these artists at the same time if they wanted to do the show. So then, if someone comes back and then someone says yes before, then now you have to go resend the offer to the other person that said yes, which is a very bad way to go about this, especially if you tarnish relationships with things like that. So I've always kept that in my mind. Like, if there's certain artists that haven't done it yet and you're like, oh, why hasn't this artist done it? Part of me wonder is it because they like asked, three people to do it and then two of them said yes and then now they need to go, you know, renege on a deal with someone. So I knew that Jay-Z was very deliberate about we ask one person at a time. And then if that person says yes, then great. But if that person says no, then you move on to the next person. It sounds so obvious, but that's how they did it. And at least I had heard close to some sources that told me that Rihanna was the first choice that they had for this year. And then she said yes. So that was Cool to see. And yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to it as well. Jay-Z obviously had signed Rihanna to her first record deal with Def Jam. She was with Rock Nation after that. They've always been in, in business together. So it was, it's, it was cool to see.
0: Well, I think part of the problem too is that there's like, we're running out of these superstars who are deserving of this capstone performance. Like there really only is like a handful of those super, super top tier pop stars that haven't done it at this point. It's like Rihanna was an obvious one. Taylor is obviously one that's sitting out there. I'm sure Ariana could probably do one at this point. There's like a handful of them left in the mix, but like Drake, Drake, absolutely. But there's not that many. And you know, there's a whole, you know, extra conversation we could be having right now about the state of pop stardom and how we aren't minting superstars in the same way that we used to do it. But I think that was another reason why perhaps they felt the need to shake up the format a little bit, including with last year and maybe even with the Shakira and J-Lo one and find ways to like do other versions of this because there really aren't, like we've burned through the like A-list pop stars really like a lot of them have already done this so it'll be interesting to see if they continue to kind of like mix it up or like you know hopefully like Billie eilish and little nas x and olivia rodrigo like just really turn it out over the next four or five years so that they're ready (laughs) like you know in the mid to late 2010s 2020s to take over for the super bowl halftime show life i don't know we'll see but maybe we are going to get like more of these Different themed ones or mix mix and mashups. I mean, that's how they used to be. Like in the early twenty ten, early two thousands, when MTV was doing them. Prior to Janet's situation, they were doing these kind of like huge ones. Like people don't remember, but like Janet's Super Bowl performance was not like the ones that we get now from superstars. Even though obviously she could certainly have done that. She did two or three songs. Really, you had Nelly and Kid Rock, and I mean Justin Timberlake—a panoply of other artists were involved in those shows. So they used to be more of like a smorgasbord, or at least sometimes they would be kind of like these conglomerations of sometimes very loosely connected <laughs> stars. There was one did you year like where those MTV Dwayne, shows, no doubt. I mean they were incredibly chaotic. Like I just think that they were so random. But yeah, I mean they had their own charms. Like there was the one year that was like Aerosmith and Britney and NSYNC and Nelly and (laughs) I mean they were fucking weird, but like they had their own charms, I guess, but just a different kind of show, I guess.
1: Yeah. Going back and watching some of those, the fact that Nelly did two Super Bowls is Impressive. I know, so Just weird. thinking about that moment, right? But the two Super Bowl clubs is like Justin Timberlake, Beyonce, and Nelly. <laughs> I know, right? And maybe Tony Bennett did like one or two from the older ones, if I remember correctly. Right. But yeah. <laughs> No, it's the '90s problem.
0: ones are fucking psychotic. The '90s ones are like out of their minds. Truly, like Shaka Khan, I think, like doing like Indiana Jones and Indiana. Like it was like psychedelic fever dreams, or maybe it's Patty Labelle, not Shaka Khan. Patty Labelle doing Indiana Jones, like themed Super Bowl halftime performance is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life.
1: <laughs> Man. <laughs> And it just makes you think about how far this show has come along and i think too that even if we see these ensembles i like the fact that there will be a bit of a theme to them moving forward and i think there are so many creative things you can do and i'm also curious to see how the show will continue to shape with the sponsor that's leading it because i feel like that's another element to this this is apple music's first year as the primary sponsor for the show after Pepsi had had it for the past decade. And we knew that Pepsi chose not to renew. They wanted to put more money into digital and Apple was willing to pay more for the show. And I know that a lot of these streaming services are trying to get into the live stream business. Apple was one of the more public companies that was trying to get NFL Sunday tickets. So there's always this association, both with music and entertainment that they've wanted to do to try to essentially sell more AirPods, sell more iPhones or whatever the exposure ends up getting them. But I am curious to see, is there going to be any type of integration or any other type of thing that we'll see that is a shift because I feel like this Pepsi era gave us so many of these singular pop star capstone shows. I feel like I think about Beyonce when I think about the Pepsi era of Super Bowl halftime shows. What will this Apple Music one look like? I'm not sure, but what do you think? Is there anything that you expect to see moving forward now that it's kind of new chapter, new sponsor?
0: Like Rihanna just like comes out wearing a pair of AirPods or like, I don't know, <laughs> like she, she sits down at like a MacBook air. and like in the middle of the stage. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I think, well, what's interesting maybe that you were making me think about earlier is that clearly having an artist like Jay-Z involved and Rock Nation involved is going to be like a more artist friendly way to program these things. That's going to like value because Jay-Z is a music artist. So he's going to, have some form of respect for the people he's booking. I think part of the issue sometimes here is that this is such a huge opportunity. This is the biggest stage in media for any star to get a chance to do this is such a huge moment in their career that I can understand why like prior to Jay-Z, like the NFL or whoever was programming these things in the past, like felt like they had all the power (laughs) because really there's very few opportunities in media Where like someone like Beyonce feels like, oh, I should do this. I mean, Beyonce barely does anything at this point. Like there's very few things that would feel like she didn't have the power in every situation. I was just reading an article the other day about how like the Grammys are so desperate to have her perform. But of course, like why would she? I don't know what would be like, what would be the benefit of that to her at this point? So the Super Bowl is really one of the last remaining things that feels like. Oh, like this is exposure that, like, you get once in a lifetime, and it's so humongous. So I can see how that power dynamic works. In terms of, like, what Apple's gonna do versus Pepsi, I don't know if I have any clear thoughts on, like, how it's gonna be different, except to say that, like, again, perhaps Apple is, like, more of, like, in the music. Industry like is like more part of the music industry in some way. They obviously like have been an integral part of like music consumption for the last 10 or 15 years, whereas like Pepsi, like you know, aside from like their iconic ads, like really anyway. Pepsi's not exactly like, you know, music driven necessarily in the same way. So maybe that's gonna have an effect. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm not totally sure.
1: Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure either. I do feel like Apple's dream would probably be to be able to have some type of live stream where you could watch it directly through Apple music. If you're on your computer, if you're on your phone or something like that. I know that the networks that broadcast this show are probably holding onto those rights and want them exclusively, whether it's Fox, right. NBC, CBS. Right. So I don't know if that would actually happen. But I'm sure it's something that they want just thinking about where things go. But beyond that, It'll be interesting to see. It's something I'm definitely going to be looking out for, but I think it's still a little early to put any predictions on that. One thing you did say, though, that was – that touched on something that I was thinking about earlier was just where the Super Bowl sits within pop culture, within media, and its importance because I do think that for a long time – we always thought of this as, yes, this is the biggest stage in entertainment. And I still do think, especially for a US artist, I think this is still the biggest stage that you can have. But thinking about someone like Beyonce, I think most people would probably look at the past 10 years and say, okay, Beyonce did perform the Super Bowl twice, but so what's her signature performance of the past 10 years? It was her Coachella performance. And that's probably not something that we could have said about an artist 10 years before that, because I know Coachella's just grew and grew and definitely became an even bigger thing the past decade plus. And I'm now thinking, okay, in this next decade with where things are going, even just now, where the Super Bowl sits, how are things shifting? Is the premier music festival and doing a great performance there, especially since they're now all being live streamed? Could that ever rival or get even close? Are there other types of opportunities that are inching closer. I feel like the Super Bowl probably will always still have that stranglehold just because of how many eyeballs you get. But that's something I've been thinking about, just how these things are shifting and what that may look like.
0: Well, there's no comparing giving somebody a two-hour concert to like do the most in the way that Beyoncé obviously like now has defined the most that you could possibly do with that. And of course, that is her most well-regarded – performance ever and like probably the most well-regarded live performance of all time question mark so no question about that compared to like getting 15 minutes but there's the amount of people that are watching the super bowl is unmatched like no matter how many people are watching that coachella live stream like for instance my parents my parents still haven't seen homecoming like they're not big beyonce people but my parents see every single Super Bowl halftime performance. Like, so I still think it's one of the rare instances where monoculture like still exists. It's like one of the only things. I mean, I watched the Super Bowl and I could care less about sports. I have zero interest in football. I've never watched another game the entire year. But like I'm there like, you know, with it on mute until <laughs> until the halftime show happens. So, it is one of the rare instances where monoculture still exists and people still tune in and you're still getting in front of people like for better or worse. The people that are watching Coachella are people that are already having some sort of interest in the artists that are performing there. This show puts you in front of a large group of people that like may not give a shit about you and wouldn't like choose to watch you perform even on the Grammys or anything like that. But there you are. So I think it is a level of exposure and a reminder to people. And I think the way that these songs burn up streaming charts and Apple, you know, iTunes store charts immediately following this, like the artist that performs at these shows like tends to like have humongous streaming and you know download boosts following the show bears out that like you're getting in front of people that like just wouldn't seek you out in other instances. And we have so few examples at this point of like actual monoculture like functioning in this way. But I do think the Super Bowl is one of the rare moments where that still does happen.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. And I think, too, just thinking about how media has changed, especially since the pandemic, if anything, all the other stuff from a broadcast perspective, people are watching less and less, and that's becoming more niche in the NFL, even – Compared to other sports, is still the dominant thing. So I think the Super Bowl, if anything, is probably just having more and more importance from that perspective. So I think it'll always be number one there. You brought up the thing about the and prestige. And the I that,
0: mean, I think the other thing is just the prestige of the of getting chosen for it is also something really important. Like, yes, getting a Coachella true. headlining spot is like a big deal, but like people who wouldn't get Super Bowl headlining spots yet, like a Billy Eilish last year. Are still gonna get that Coachella slot. Like getting that right. Super Bowl slot is a badge of like honor and confirmation of your like superstar A-list legendary Hall of Fame status as a pop figure in a way that like very few other things can coordinate in this day and age, I don't think.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think the other point you mentioned too about the impact that the show has, of course. The week after the Super Bowl or the day after the Super Bowl, we'll see the streaming numbers or the downloads or even the record sales. But I think the thing that I paid more attention to is some of the ways that these artists are making even more money from their tours or other things like that. Looking at someone like The Weeknd, he goes from performing in arenas to performing in stadiums and having one of the biggest tours of the year. And even last year's West Coast Hip Hop Ensemble, I think Mary J. Blige had the biggest tour that she had had. Dr. Dre, I know he didn't go on tour, but he just sold some of his music and maybe some of the heightened interest there could have helped. And even Snoop Dogg sold a bunch of NFTs afterward and launched his record label that was aligned with this. And if we could think about Rihanna, who hasn't released music in seven years, what do we think this next year post-Super Bowl will look like? Do you think we'll get a tour? Do you think there'll be a collaboration? Do you think we'll finally get that album?
0: I hope so. I mean, I tend to wonder like why she would be doing this if it wasn't to set something up because it doesn't seem like she has interest in just sort of like maintaining like she hasn't done anything in so long that I don't know why she would just do this like randomly. So one has to imagine that this is the kickoff to an era of some sort. God knows she could launch a humongous tour without having a new album, and I think it would be massively successful. Like, I wonder if Rihanna could play stadiums at this point, just doing kind of what seems to be the new trend with all the girlies right now, which is doing their greatest hits. That's, like, Taylor's doing that. Madonna just announced that she's doing that. I mean, Rihanna could certainly be like, hey, you know, let me perform my greatest hits, which also constitute, like, the 25 best singles of the the last, you know, twenty three years or whatever. So like, I have to imagine that it's setting something up. I don't know what to say about the album. I mean, like, I feel like I'd be getting in front of myself to say that she's going to release something because she's really been adverse to releasing new music, and I wonder if there's anxiety about re-entering a streaming marketplace that has changed quite a bit, even since 2016. As I mentioned earlier, as much as I do think she has the capacity to appeal to the current pop fan base cross-section, she is certainly, you know, eight years has gone by, like, you know, things have really changed. I wonder if there's like trepidation about like how to work this system. I mean, you look at some of these seasoned pop acts, like even Beyonce, like, Beyonce did well with Renaissance. I mean, she did nothing to promote it, which is like a whole other conversation we could have about that. But like, you know, the record sold well, but isn't doing numbers like Taylor's doing. And, you know, isn't the sort of like jugger, you know, A-list, A-list, A-list juggernaut that like Bad Bunny is, or that, you know, some of like the new vanguard of pop stars are. So I wonder if there's a feeling on Rihanna's part in terms of like someone who's had a career that's churned so much On a cavalcade of number one hit singles over and over and over and again, album after album after album after album about like how she's supposed to work that exactly because things have just changed so much and the guard has changed. And so that's a long winded way to say I don't. No, if you had had a gun to my head i would say tour and album are forthcoming as a result of this or like on the back of this i can't imagine that there isn't but i will remind people that in 2013 when beyonce did the super bowl she didn't announce any like there was nothing new happening later that year in december almost a full year later she dropped the self-titled album out of the sky but it felt like that performance just sort of existed in a vacuum when it happened. So it's not as if that doesn't happen. So it's a little bit hard to say. But if she was smart, I would say, given the amount of years that have gone by and how much like she could use a refocusing on the music and that the Super Bowl is going to give that to her, I would hope that she's using this as some sort of direct launch pad.
1: Yeah. My prediction is tour, yes, album, maybe. And the album point is yeah. in large part for some of the reasons that you mentioned, too, because the last album, I believe there was a botched release with Anti. I think it leaked early oh, yeah. on title because I think it was an early release or something like mm-hmm. that. It was Bessie, and I know that she was pissed about that, and I'm sure that many fans were, too. And people can't escape leaks. I mean, Renaissance leaked early these things are still happening and to your point yeah there's a whole new system on how these things are being done and SZA she's someone who I think kind of perfected this system but she's with the record label that has literally adapted its strategy to be able to understand how to perfect this thing and she had this whole waterfall release thing and you need singles leading up to it to kind of make that happen and Rihanna hasn't released music recently so there's so many things that would need to happen before anyone would really expect okay boom day after the super bowl here's an album like i do not think that's going to happen
0: two things one is that i don't know though cuz here two thoughts i'm having one is You're right about the anti-rollout, and it wasn't just the leaks that were the problem. There was a series of underperforming lead singles that led that record off until they landed on work. It was, you know, Bitch Better Had My Money didn't crack the top 10. There was, you know, the kind of weird Lucy with Kanye and Paul McCartney. I mean, there was, like, you know, a series of singles that, like, didn't quite do the job that, like, usually Rihanna lead singles were doing at that moment, where every single one you could, to a number, basically, were, like, generation-defining smash hits. So that's one a- element of it. But I kind of think the SZA thing is an interesting comparison to me because, yes, SZA released singles before the record came out, but, like, Shirt didn't catch fire in the same way that Kill Bill has since the album came out. True. And there's a big thing now with records that come out where fans pick the hit. You know, you dump the record and fans... Pick. I mean, it's the same thing that's happened with Cuff it on some level. Like, yes... You know, Break My Soul hit number one, but Cuff it's actually been a bigger hit than Break My Soul. If you go yeah. look at Spotify numbers, it's got more streams. It's a bigger song. It's got, it got the organic TikTok element that came into play. If she had done literally anything to promo it, if she had performed it or made a music video, I'm sure that song could have hit number one easily. But, of course, that's a whole other thing about why Beyonce is doing nothing to promo any of this. But... I think Rihanna might benefit from removing herself in the same way that Beyonce did with her self-titled record and Lemonade to some degree, I guess, formation notwithstanding from the sort of like trying to find a lead single prior to dropping an album. I think Rihanna's in a phase, especially with Anti, which is her most critically well-regarded work an album that I think like expanded the possibilities for Rihanna being like a sophisticated and intriguing albums artist to Come forth with a full record and sort of like see what catches fire from there might actually be a better strategy for her than trying to locate in a boardroom like a single that's going to function like an umbrella or only girl in the world or whatever. Cause this marketplace is just way more fickle and difficult to figure that out in than it was during her peak era. So I actually think her dropping an album like literally after the Super Bowl with no notice like could be actually like a pretty effective strategy. But again, I don't know that she's going to do that, but I'm just pontificating on like what I think could work for her. I actually think that might be a better strategy than like doing some more traditional rollout.
1: Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. I mean, there's so many unknowns in the same way where I think even before Beyonce performed, we kind of had an idea what to expect. We don't know what to expect in a lot of ways, so I'm excited for that. But, uh, Louis, before we let you go, let's make a prediction. So we talked a little bit about maybe some future ensembles that we could see or some artists that we could see perform. Who do you think would perform? I don't want to just say next year because that might be a bit too keeping it contained but what is a artist or a mix of artists that you could see doing the halftime show in the next couple of years
0: i think the obvious answer is like taylor is obviously going to do this at some point it's actually like somewhat surprising to me that she wasn't doing it this year she's having a massive year this record is gigantic she has her biggest hit in a long time this album is a juggernaut in a mainstream way for the first time, and like, you know, a series of interesting kind of career diversions that were all huge. But like, this is definitely like feels like a big, big moment for her. And she is such a classic Super Bowl artist, not in maybe the Rock Nation era, but she is white country, you know, blonde. Critical darling, rock bona fides, like whatever. Like, so it's truly surprising that she hasn't done it yet. Again, Ariana seems like another obvious one. At some point, I'm assuming Ariana is going to come forth with a new record. She's due. It's been, I think, two and a half years or something since her last album. So one has to imagine she's due for a new era soon. She feels like she's of the caliber and of the stature at this point to do one of these by herself. So those seem like two obvious superstars. And Drake. I think Drake is not the other one. You brought him up. He's obviously seems like a slam dunk, you know, generational superstar. Literally, I don't know how he'd pick the hits, which is another thing with Rihanna. Like, how is she going to pick what he performs? In terms of, like, groupings of artists, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I wonder, like, what a version of, like, the MTV format would, like, look like in the modern era like how could you like bring a group of artists together again the dre thing was really an interesting sort of like roll of the dice on that idea but i'm wondering like how you might do that in other contexts like i'm trying to think of like other rap crews like obviously the other one that comes to mind like why hasn't jay himself done it yet i mean that's an interesting one to me too i know jay famously said You know, I don't need the Super Bowl, but now he is integrally involved in the Super Bowl. He feels like another obvious artist and obviously someone that could, like, kind of corral a very interesting stable of guests. So it's like Jay-Z and Friends. seems like it could be an interesting one. Unfortunately, we've lost another obvious either co-headliner or headliner himself in Kanye, who was now radioactive and would never get the slot anymore, I don't think. So He's someone that certainly deserves it on a musical front, but, like, I think is just, you know, persona non grata in most spaces at this point. And I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, good groupings. Do you have any ideas of, like, what could be, like, a thematic grouping?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I was just looking here at some of the upcoming locations to see if that could give us any clues. But before I get there, you brought up a few things that I was thinking about. The Taylor thing, I agree with you. I think that will happen. I think she's waiting until all of the re-recordings come out. So I don't think 1989 Taylor's version came out. I don't think that Reputation Taylor's version came out. So I think once those come out and she's like, yes, you can play all my non-scooter Braun owned music wherever you want after that. Then I think she'll yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. So I think she's kind of yeah. waiting there. I want to yeah, see Drake right. do it. I don't think that, I mean, there's no Super Bowl team in Canada, so there's no tie-in there, but I want to see him do it. I mean, I've been a fan of his for a while, but some upcoming Same. locations. So you have this one in Arizona, the next one is in Las Vegas, and then the one after that is in New Orleans. New Orleans could be interesting. I feel like, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, culture with vibe. There. Oh, I true. don't know. What artists necessarily yeah. – I know you have a lot of hip-hop artists Big like Frieda, Cash Big Super money, Bowl halftime show when. <laughs> oh, Big Frida would be something. Oh, man. I feel like they'll do something with that. Assuming that you know <laughs> Rock Nation is still involved, I feel like we'll get something cultural there. But the one person that I do want to say, and I think you mentioned this on a podcast as well. I think I love Bruno Mars as a performer. It was too early though. And I think you're right about that. Like He performed before – Uptown Funk, Before, 24K, Magic, and I think that he may have done like a snippet of those songs at the Coldplay one that he guested on with Beyonce, but no, we have a whole – Yeah, he did Uptown Funk, I think. Yeah, we have a whole next set of those to do, and maybe if it's too bland to do him again, maybe you mix him with someone else or something like that. I know him and Cardi B have done a few songs, like something like that could be kind of cool.
0: Yeah, what about Nikki and Cardi? I mean, like, we haven't had a female rapper headline (laughs) on her own.
1: I mean, Could you get those two in a room,
0: though? (laughs) No, not together, not together, not together. I mean, like, what about one or the other? I mean, Cardi, maybe not, but Nikki certainly is a generation-defining pop artist who, like, certainly deserves her own show. I think that'd be an interesting choice. I think the New Orleans one is really interesting because you're, like, all right, you could have, like, Wayne as, like, one of the primary headliners of that, you know. Yep. And then you could, like, mix in, I don't know, like, other famous, you know, there's so many famous New Orleans artists. You could do, like, a cash money, Drake, Wayne, Nicki,
1: That and would Friends. be special. That would be special. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, right? That we're calling like that now. One. That's our prediction. We'll have to check back in, but that's our prediction for when is this? February, 2025. So two years from now, Drake, Nikki, and Wayne, right on the Cash Money right Show. Right
0: on. We'll have to check in about that. <laughs> that seems like an obvious good one. I mean, honestly, great show. That would be amazing.
1: Yeah. No, that would be something. That would be good. But no, Louis, this was so much fun. Thank you again for coming on and for the folks that are listening and want to hear more about how you break down pop artists. Where should they go?
0: They should subscribe to Pop Pantheon wherever you get your podcasts. It's really a taxonomy of pop stardom. We take them all one by one. We have really in-depth discussions about their careers and discographies. And then we rank them in a series of tiers called the Pop Pantheon. So if you are interested in pop music, I think it's both informative and fun and smart and stupid at the same time so if you like to talk about pop music and to overanalyze it as we do follow us at wherever you get your podcast, pop pantheon and also we're on instagram and twitter at pop pantheon pod and i'm at dj l-o-u-i-e x-i-v on instagram and twitter
1: awesome great stuff thank you appreciate it man if you enjoyed this podcast go ahead and share it with a friend copy the link text it to a friend